This is a Federal News Network podcast. As the National Park Service enters its second spring since the pandemic, growing numbers of Americans are vaccinated and looking forward to a little normalcy outdoors. So there's special meaning in this year's annual National Parks Week. Spokeswoman Kathy Cupper has a few of the highlights. Ms. Cupper, good to have you on. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me on to talk about national parks. And let's talk about the visitors to national parks, because it was really a strange year last spring and summer, as we know. What do the numbers show with respect to, say, the prior year? And what are you expecting for visitor levels in general? We don't need it down to the individual footfall. But what are the trends coming out of last year and how were the numbers affected from the year before? Sure. Uh, Last year, overall, throughout the country, there were 237 million visitors to national parks. So that's still quite a few people during the pandemic. The year before, there were about 328 million. So there was a drop, but there were temporary closures. And also there are historic homes and some structures like that where visitors are still not able to enter. Also in perspective, many parks, once they began to reopen, and, and most natural areas, outdoor areas, did remain open as much as possible throughout the year. So we saw many parks set records in visitation throughout the year, and that's continuing. That trend is going on this year as well. So from local parks like Fort Washington and Manassas and CNO Canal, we see the numbers still continuing to rise as people really get outside to be able to recreate responsibly, be around other people safely at a distance, and get out and enjoy the fresh air and get the physical and psychological benefits that come from spending time in nature. And so you're expecting those numbers to keep rising and might hit similar numbers that you had. Yeah, he wants to get outside, too. You're hitting numbers probably matching the year before, 2019, perhaps, this year. You know, last year shows us we can never speculate on what visitation numbers will be because you never know what will happen. But certainly the trend is continuing with the first few months of this year. Parks, again, setting records in visitation and seeing, you know, not just repeat visitors, but also many people who discovered parks, people that maybe did other vacation opportunities or didn't know about just the vast number of parks throughout the country. Most people think of a trip to a national park as that big destination vacation, but there are national parks in every single state and usually um, closer than people imagine. So they're quick day trips as well or weekend trips and especially as people look for these close to home opportunities to do things uh, without being able to travel many discovered parks perhaps close to their backyard that they never knew about and we see them continuing to go back and use those parks and what have the trends been for the virtual visits i know nps offered tours that you can take online and that's part of the mix of this year's national parks week how many people do this and what are the most popular online destinations, so to speak? Well, last year, the National Park Service website had a half a billion page views, so a lot of visitors virtually as well. The most visited sites tend to be the webcams. We have the webcam up at Denali that shows the puppies that pull the sleds. We have the Cat My Bears, where they feed up getting ready for the winter. Old Faithful is a popular webcam. Channel Islands, Great Smokies. So a lot of people visiting parks through webcams. There's a lot of online activities with rangers doing educational programs and also general programs, so visitors can still get that experience. So these virtual tours, scavenger hunts, kids' activities. And also we have a virtual passport stamp program. A lot of visitors to parks know that you can go and get your stamp when you visit a park. And so there's an opportunity, even when you visit a park online, to get a virtual passport stamp to show that you completed activities. 
Another fun thing people have been taking advantage of, the Junior Ranger program is very popular, and kids in parks get a booklet, and they do park-specific activities and then get a badge and get sworn in as Junior Rangers at the end of the program. You can download a book and do them online. And, in fact, this Saturday night we're going to do a big virtual swearing-in ceremony on National Junior Ranger Day at 7 p.m. on the NPS Facebook page. And the Secretary of the Interior will be swearing in children who have completed their Junior Ranger programs this week. Sounds like fun. Kathy Cupper is a public affairs specialist with the National Park Service. And with the upcoming season and anticipated more people in person, what are the protocols that NPS has put in place? And do you vary them depending on how bad that particular state might be in general on the infection rates? Well, every trip to a national park should start at home by visiting the website. Or also, we've recently unveiled a new app. So it's one-stop shopping, all 423 national parks are in one app. That's been popular with about a quarter million downloads since it was unveiled recently. So it's best to go there and get the updates as to hours and what's available. And for protocols, all federal recreation lands, there is a mask mandate for all buildings and also outside where you cannot be physically distanced from other people. So even on trails that are crowded and so forth to wear the mask. And we ask everybody to recreate responsibly. As we've talked about our public lands, we are so happy to see people out and using them. But we ask also that everybody do their part to help preserve these lands. They're here for us to enjoy and for future generations. So please follow regulations, stay on trails, watch yourself around water, all the basic safety things as as more and more people discover and use these places just to be respectful of the areas so that it can stay around and uh, not just other visitors today, but into the future, they can also enjoy these beautiful, magnificent places. Yeah, leave the flowers unplucked as you walk by the pathway there. And, of course, there's well known that the NPS has a multi-billion dollar maintenance backlog. Were you able to catch up on any of that because of the lower visitor levels in the past year? Yes and no, because, of course, many projects were also stopped due to COVID regulations. There were projects here in the D.C. area. Uh, People were happy to see the completion of the Memorial Bridge project. Uh, The other thing that's very exciting that happened over the last year is last August, the Great American Outdoors Act was passed. And so that will provide about up to $6 billion a year to national parks to help with the maintenance backlog. And so a lot of the pre-planning was done so that we can begin construction, you know, getting them shovel ready. One of the exciting projects coming up will be rehabilitation of a very popular part of the GW Parkway. So a lot of parks are able to lay the groundwork to get ready for projects that will be funded by that legislation. So that will literally be hell on wheels until it's fixed, then it's going to be heaven. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a very popular stretch from Spout Run out to 495, and, you know, it'll repair the road. But also people sometimes don't think about everything that goes into it, the drainage systems and the structure and the bridges and the supports and the safety measures. And, you know, there's a lot more than meets the eye. And it's the same when you go to a park and, you know, there's always the idea about are the bathrooms clean? When you think beyond the bathroom, just the water to get it into the bathrooms or, you know, the superstructure, especially behind remote parks, you know, out in the wilderness, when you hit that restroom, there's been a lot of superstructure underneath to get that to where it is. You know, a lot of the repairs are that idea, kind of that deferred sure. maintenance that you might not see, but actually supports enhanced visitor opportunities and recreation. That's right. Got to keep those groovers clean. And finally, what about the volunteers this spring? Are they allowed to come back and will you reintroduce volunteers? 
Yeah, and in fact, that's another thing that went virtual. Um, some parks have adapted, and they have virtual volunteers working on websites and collections and things of that nature. We've also continued what you might see as some of the traditional volunteer opportunities. So there are still trail construction and rehab and pulling of exotic species, but they've been done with protocols in place where people don't work as closely as they maybe did before. We have a very nice one coming up this week with Park Week at Flight 93, where they've been planting tree saplings to restore the landscape there. And so we're going to have about 200 volunteers spaced out planting hundreds of tree saplings. So those opportunities exist still. And then also it's best to check with your local park where you might want to volunteer to see what opportunities they have virtually and also as they begin to bring volunteers back in who are dealing face-to-face with the public. All right. I recommend going out to see the Flight 93 place. It's one of the stunning zones operated by the National Park Service. I can vouch for that personally. Kathy Cupper is a public affairs specialist with the National Park Service. Thanks so much for joining me. Sure. Thank you. Happy National Parks Week. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great men theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader. All of these are backward-looking development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government over 2 million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, And they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired others and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, Today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about... um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people 
We have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing, like never before, on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. I've uh, led this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling. Uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. We all have a lot on our plates. Work, kids, relationships. And sometimes it can be hard to just catch a breath. When life is go, 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 it matters where you stay. Hilton's family of brands is team members dedicated to making you feel truly cared for so you can mentally check out before you even check in. Take the break you deserve and book your next stay on Hilton.com. Hilton for the stay.